The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back here on Big Blue View for our off-season coverage as we are breaking down every single position group on the New York Giants roster, previewing what you need to know for the start of the 2021 season for the New York Giants. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Filato and Chris Flum. Today, as I said, continuing on with our position groups, and we are talking receivers today. We already did quarterbacks, we already did running backs. Make sure you go check out those episodes if you already missed them. Before we get into today's discussion, though, please hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review and also head to BigBlueView.com for more fantastic Giants content. So, guys, we've got a ton of names to talk about on today's episode for the receiver group. Beforehand, we were just discussing how we don't even know you know, who some of these back-end guys are who are going to stick on the roster just because there's so many names so many guys that are young and that could be surprises. There's a lot of different things that can come into play here, but going off of if we think it's going to be five or six guys somewhere in that range, there's going to be a lot of quality players who either get put on the practice squad or or, or really end up getting cut. But heading into the starter group, talking about all the new names, additions that were brought in, you've got two new faces in this group of uh, starting receivers, Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney being the new new guys, and then additionally Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton being the returners of the group. So overall, this group looks a lot different, and I think the one thing we've taken away since the end of the offseason, really the end of free agency in the draft, is that this group is a lot stronger, a lot better, and a lot more improved from what it was last year when they had so much trouble throwing the ball. So much trouble throwing the football, Chris and Joe. And it was such an issue for this team. They couldn't generate explosive plays. And a lot of that was also because the offensive line was just horrendous, especially early in the season. Daniel Jones had his struggles. And then also the way Jason Garrett called the offense. But the receivers were still getting glued sometimes, man. And you know what game really sticks out to me? That Arizona game against Vance Joseph's defense. They just couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. They were getting pressed, man. It was just like glue. And it was so kind of disappointing to see and I do believe players like Darius Slayton 
and Sterling Shepard are better than that. They didn't show it in that game, but I do believe that they can, you know, use their release packages, their varied release packages to separate off the line of scrimmage and give themselves space. It just didn't happen at a high rate last year, or at least consistently enough. And then when you look at the additions of Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony, I think both of those guys can help that, especially behind the line of scrimmage for Kadarius Tony. And then in Kenny Galladay's case, he's one of the best jump ball wide receivers, and we've been saying it since the Giants added him in the National Football League. So he's really going to assist the Giants in that area. We just need Darius Slayton to kind of return to his, I would say, 2019 efficiency because statistically his 2020 wasn't that far off, but we all think of it as a significant down year because he only had three touchdowns as opposed to eight, and he dropped the football three more times, and a lot of them were in kind of big situations. So we need Slayton to be a little bit more efficient, and we need Sterling Shepard to stay healthy. And if that happens, then we're looking at a really, really good group of wide receivers to pair with Daniel Jones in year three. Let's just hope that offensive line develops and let's just hope Jason Garrett calls a little bit of a different offense. Yeah, this is really a very different receiving core than what we saw last year. I mean, at at one point, the Giants were running out basically practice squad level players just because they're trying to find something that would work, something that would let them get some traction so they didn't have to rely completely on the running game to move the ball. And you know, especially with you know Sterling Shepard having some injury concerns, and then you know talk about the Giants were running the ghost of Golden Tate out there. Uh, Darius Slayton had those drops. Evan Ingram had his drops, and really nobody was g- getting separation. I think Slayton and Tate were two of the worst receivers in the entire NFL for getting separation last year. So if you're not getting separation from defensive backs, you're basically forcing your quarterback to throw into coverage all the time. And that is just not a good way to run an offense. You talk about explosive plays, but the Giants really struggled just moving the ball through the air in general. They were having trouble sustaining drives with the pass and they were just inefficient throwing the ball all the way around. Yeah, they were one of the few teams where their running game was actually more efficient than their passing game. And that's really really rare in the modern nfl and it it's not something to be proud of unless you're the baltimore ravens and you have lamar jackson and i think we could we should just set them off to the side (laughs) i think another underrated thing to discuss with uh with the receiver group here is that and i know we're talking about additions and how the starters look so much better but one thing that started to weigh down the group like indirectly that wasn't really talked about a ton is the indirect drama that Golden Tate was starting to cause, like apparently him complaining about not getting enough touches, not getting enough targets. We saw those clips of him waving his arms in the air when he was not really that open and demanding the football, and then some issues of of him pouting a little bit at practice. Like all those things with Golden Tate, a guy who was supposed to be a veteran who everybody uh, assumed was a really good leader, comes here and him not performing as well as he should be. And then on top of that, not having that good leadership mentality, but instead acting like a younger player. I think removing him from the equation, bringing in some other guys that are younger, that are better quality, like Kenny Galladay is going to be a step up from a huge step up from Golden Tate. Obviously, they're different styles of receivers, but a new face to bring into the group is going to be a lot, lot better. And again, I know that's like not like a huge headline that's not really like a, a big big major impact but I, th- I really thought that Golden Tate was starting to weigh down that group of starters uh, towards the end of his time with the Giants 
it, it is a big impact, though, if you really think about it, because he was a step slow. Like, he would throw his hands in the air. It's like, dude, Daniel Jones was already throwing the football, and you weren't <laughs> even coming out of your break yet, and you're not even open. But he played 424 snaps, offensive snaps last year. That's a lot of snaps. And now those are going to go to Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, maybe John Ross, or some of these other guys we're about to talk to, then obviously Kenny Galladay. The 11 personnel package that we hope to see a little bit more in Jason Garrett's offense, which is funny because you think about Ben McAdoo, all that guy ran was 11 personnel. It was like 90%. It was ridiculous. Now Jason Garrett runs a lot of 12, 13, 12 and 13 personnel. We want to see a little bit more 11, but that's not going to have Golden Tate now. And now you can mix and match this personnel grouping, these starters, and then even bring in some of these other players like the John Ross, Dante Pettis, or whomever, which whoever ends up making the squad. That's a much more diverse set of personnel and a much more explosive set. And that's one of the biggest gripes I have with this Giants offense last year is the fact that they just were not explosive. All the successful teams in the National Football League right now, all those offenses, they're explosive. Defenses are catering to stop explosive plays. (laughs) And the Giants are out there running four-yard sticks every damn play. The other thing, too, that excites me about this year's receiver group a lot more than last year coming into last season, and I think this is pretty obvious, is that there's some pretty good depth on this group here. And if we look at the the backups who not all three of these guys are guaranteed to make the roster, you have John Ross, who was a former top 10 pick, has elite speed, but has not really played up to the level that maybe we expected or hoped, has had some injury issues. So if he's fully healthy, might be able to have an impact as that fifth receiver in the group. You then have CJ Board, who is likely going to be a de facto special teams impact player. And then Dante Pettis is also a speedster. I I know we're not really, uh, you know, Dante Pettis isn't exactly the best out of the group. He hasn't really been productive as we would have hoped early on in his career. And then he comes over to the Giants midway through last season, but he still has the talent. So these three guys to me, I think are really good depth players compared to what we saw last year, where you had to bring up guys from the practice squad uh, there was a lot of inc- inconsistency on who those guys were. I really like the group that they have and the battle between these three guys for the the last two spots. As do I. As do I. And Pettis, he came in late in the year, played week 16, 17, had six targets, caught, what is it, four or five targets for the Giants, caught four of them. And then he had that one touchdown for 76 yards against Dallas in week 17. And I think the team does like Dante Pettis, but they also signed John Ross for a reason. And I do believe they want to put a high priority on being a little bit more explosive. Love Kadarius Tony, very explosive player. Doesn't have the kind of vertical and deep separation speed that John Ross has. So I think it's going to be a really interesting battle between those two. And then the player that on the field with the offense isn't as talented as them, CJ Board, but he has a, real, a lot of special teams value, and that's a big part of a lot of these guys on the back end of the roster making the team, especially if he is, uh, if he continues to prove that he can be the reliable gunner that they're going to look for on punt returns or on, on punts and stuff like that. And that's where I think C.J. Board could also fight for uh, one of those last wide receiver roster spots and end up seeing the field if injuries do end up happening to the Giants. But between Pettis and Ross uh, – <laughs> I might go with Ross, even though he's just dropped so many footballs and he's injured, but just that explosive element could be really, really valuable, especially when you have all that other personnel who can really thrive with their route running in the intermediate parts of the field. You can have John Ross clear out. You have Kenny Galladay on a dig. You can have Sterling Shepard underneath. And you have some really, really crisp 
route runners there, Kenny Galladay's case, really, really big target with a large catch radius. I think that could be interesting. Yeah, you, you mentioned basically the numbers game with this receiving group. And it, it's going to be very interesting to follow over the course of training camp and then through the final cutdowns. You know, I think we're all pretty confident in the top four guys but then there's the question of just how many wide receivers the giants will carry on their final roster yeah six is usually pretty standard nfl wide but you talked about and we'll get we'll get into this after the break you know the giants played a lot of 12 and 13 personnel you know two and three tight end sets which kind of limits you to two or just one wide receiver so there isn't that you know real need to have six or potentially more wide receivers but then you also have that need for special teams yeah cj board is a really great gunner he made a he made a bunch of plays on special teams last year but dante pettis is also a really good returner and and particularly punt returns and teams might be kicking the ball out the back of the end zone on kickoffs a lot more but punt returns still do have value as well so that could wind up being a very difficult uh decision for the giants and then there's also you know john ross's long speed you know he's easily assuming he's healthy he's easily the fastest player on the team he's really one of the very fastest players in the nfl but then you know being healthy is you know, that is an issue with him. You know, he's had two years, his rookie year, and then last year in 2020, where he's only had three games. And then he's only played more than eight games once. Yeah, that was his sophomore year when he played in 13, started 10 games. So the the trick with him is really just getting him on the field. And then you also mentioned the drops. Those are an issue with him as well. So this battle for the the backup receiver roles or potentially just backup receiver role is going to be very fierce because each of these guys brings something to the table that nobody else on the team really does. Now, if we discuss these fringe players, it's really odd to see this list because there's a number of guys in here who were asked to step up and play some games and suit up. Not all of them, but they're all pretty familiar names. And right now, I don't even know if even any of these guys are going to stick around. A majority of them might end up being on practice squads. They might end up getting picked up off of the Giants practice squad and signed to other rosters. That's something that's definitely in play here because some of these guys are pretty quality players, and I'm referring to Austin Mack as probably the biggest one here who suited up and got a decent amount of snaps. He made some decent plays. We talked about during the season, Chris and I did, about how we were impressed with some of the things that Austin Mack did being that fifth receiver. But after him, David Sills, Alex Bachman, feels like they've been around forever. I don't know why, but it hasn't even been that long. And then also Derek Dillon, who was a UDFA from the previous class, another guy with some elite speed. Here for these four guys that are fringe players, they are put in the very difficult position of having to beat out those quality backups that we just talked about, how they have a lot of good traits, they have a lot of uh, strong abilities that they can be used in this Giants offense as rotational players. So these fringe guys really have to look really, really good in camp and knock off one of these veterans. Otherwise, they're going to end up on a practice squad or they're going to end up on another team. And I kind of think that's going to be the destination for Austin Mack. I think he's going to end up on the Giants 
practice squad. But the one interesting player from this group that jumps out to me is David Sills because there was a lot of hype around this guy uh, in previous years. And last year, he ended up hurting his foot in 2020. So he was out for the entire season, put on the injured reserve and all that kind of stuff. But he's a pretty damn good uh, gunner, guys. And he could push CJ Board for a possible roster spot in training camp if he can prove that he can be a more efficient and better gunner than him. So that's one name that I would say from this fringe group that has a chance to crack that final roster. It would obviously be in the place of someone like a CJ Board. But that's that's an interesting uh little camp battle that I'm going to be looking at when uh, training camp rolls around. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, th- I think Austin Mack is probably the guy most likely to stick around just because, you know, he was on the Giants squad for 11 games last year. He's a guy, he knows the offense, he knows the coaches, the coaches know him. And, you know, he was only targeted 11 times, made seven catches, but five of those catches were first downs. So that is a pretty darn good rate and if you can show you're reliable in you know important situations like that you know that's the kind of thing coaches remember and if they've got that kind of good feeling about you that could be a point in your favor you know david sills he's got that special teams ability he also has size on his side yeah the giants have kenny galladay but you know other than david sills they don't really have another big receiver on their roster, but Sills does have kind of the same similar size as Galladay. I think he's six uh, four, probably two fifteen, maybe two twenty ish. So he's got that ability to just have that instant separation, thanks to his size and catch radius. And that could also, if he's able to stay healthy, again, that could show up in training camp and the preseason, and maybe that does let him push CJ board off the end of the roster. If he can offer similar special teams ability while also offering the ability to effectively back up that X X wide receiver position spot. Right. And there's always that potential that you end up with a guy, maybe it's Sills, maybe it's Austin Mack that busts their ass during the off season enough that they make a huge progression. And maybe one of these four players beats out C.J. Board, John Ross, or Dante Pettis for that final receiver spot. But right now, there is a lot of competition just to stick around with this Giants organization, let alone just to be on the practice squad, there is going to be competition. So these four guys, I'm actually going to be paying attention to them. I know that they're not really a part of this, uh, a huge impact of this Giants roster, but that is a good competition group to see if they can fight to end up on the team. Coming up, we are going to discuss how we think that this Giants passing attack is going to look differently with all the new names coming up on the other side. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. 
That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So we talked about a ton this whole offseason, the impacts of adding Kenny Galladay, the impacts of adding Kadarius Toney. We can also mention the fact that John Ross, elite speed, is going to have some impacts in this offense, maybe as that fifth receiver as we've discussed so far. So guys, if we're getting into the weeds of it, how do we think things could look differently through the air? Do we think that there's going to be maybe some different passing concepts, a different approach to throwing the football for this Giants team now that they have a more diverse receiving group and also some fantastic athletes that are going to be catching the football from Daniel Jones. I'm really hoping that we see more vertical passing. The offensive line is going to have to hold up and just not so many of those little search routes where you just run to the sticks and try to find a soft spot in the what you presume to be zone, even though it ended up being man coverage a lot of the times, and it's just people glued. And then when Daniel Jones throws the football to them, if they do make the catch, they have no momentum and they're going back backwards basically to just get tackled. We need to I, I think those spacing type of concepts that are important in football, but they have to be used judiciously. And they were a huge part of what Jason Garrett called in 2020. Now, I think you can employ more Mills type concepts where you have a dig from the number two, a post over the top to take advantage of, you know, cover four quarters, which we're seeing a little bit more now in the NFL. I think Daniel Jones needs to just do a better job kind of getting through his progressions. I mean, I, I feel like I saw growth in that area in, in 2020, but it wasn't necessarily consistent enough. And then Kadarius Tony, man, uh, I, I want to see him used in motion. We need to see more motion and not just, oh, I'm just going to motion this guy from the left to the right. He's going to set up and then we're going to call the play. I'm talking about like orbit motions behind the quarterback, speed motions, get his momentum moving forward, set hikes, stuff you see in like the CFL sometimes. You know, you hike the football and then he's on the move already and then he's running into space and it just totally changes the responsibilities of match type defenses. If we can. If the Giants can utilize that aspect of the pre-snap into the post-snap to to lead to big plays if the defense ends up not being able to communicate it uh, effectively. That's some. That's just another way you can create explosive plays. It doesn't all have to be just uh, pure X's and O's. It can't be pre-snap motion to uh, help uh, confuse the defense. There, there are a lot of things they could do, you know, other than, you know, the smash concepts, high-low, two-man route concepts, more uh, three-man or three-level route concepts, which I feel like Jason Garrett had a decent amount of, but it was like the same play almost every single time. It was the pivot route from the three, the seven from the two, and then a clear out from the one on those three-by-one sets, usually with a nub. Uh, on the backside of the uh, formation, we just need uh, a little bit more diversification with those route concepts. You know, you don't you don't need to have so many, but you need to be able to 
use it from different looks. You know what I'm saying? Like you can have similar plays, but package them in different ways and show different looks pre-snap. And then you can run similar concepts. So it's easier for the personnel to remember yet the defense still, it looks something totally different. And then you just hit them with the same basically route concept that you can, that you attack the defense with. That makes sense. So basically what we want is for uh, Jason Garrett to be a a little bit, or maybe, maybe a lot less Jason Garrett. You know, we just need create uh, more creativity, and that can happen not just after this. <laughs> I, I do. I definitely agree. Uh, you know, I, I think come down to it, one of the biggest problems with this offense last year was just the complete lack of an X receiver. And you know, I I had thought after the Giants parted ways with Odell Beckham that you know maybe Sterling Shepard could evolve into that role. You know, be a player kind of somewhat similar to Antonio Brown. Cause you know, he's got that great route running ability. He's got that, uh, that small yeah. guy, just strength and power. Uh, but you know, it, it, that's just not his game. He, he, he was never able to really do that. And really without that X receiver there, everybody else was, was playing out of position and they were really playing against their strengths. So hopefully just having Kenny Galladay there will allow everyone else to play much more towards their their natural game and strengths. Now, just to go back to touch on what we brought up a little bit last year was just the personnel packages. Yet the Giants ran more 11 personnel than they ran anything else. And they did that by a fair margin about 55 percent of their snaps came out of 11 personnel that's three receiver set but they ran a significant number of plays out of 12 and 13 person uh personnel they had uh 27 percent uh 258 plays with two tight ends on the field and then another 100 plays with three tight ends on the field so i think we have to ask how much of that was just them trying to get their best players on the field and stressing the tight end position more just because you know their wide receivers weren't that good and how much of it was just that's how they want to run their offense and you know you you, you brought up Ben McAdoo and how much he ran 11 personnel and you know it was nine fully 90 percent of the Giants plays in 2016 it was or at least it was insane <laughs> until the following year Sean McVay went out and ran at 95% of the Rams plays for as long as Cooper Cup was healthy. But mm-hmm. you know, the interesting thing, and going taking a little bit of a tangent here, is how well the Rams ran the ball out of 11 personnel. And that's because it forces defenses to get small, and you can really spread them out. So that makes it easy to get favorable matchups. On the flip side of that, we saw the New England Patriots back in 2010 and other teams since then just absolutely shred defenses through the air with 12 personnel because you get athletic tight ends. They're bigger than defensive backs. They're able to move better than most linebackers. So that it's actually a pretty good passing set. So, you know, I I almost wonder if they, if the giants would, go here, go to that spot philosophically where they bring out, uh, you know, a lot of 12 personnel just to throw the ball more efficiently, just get those favorable passing matchups and then go to 11 personnel to run the ball. And if they want to run the ball, maybe we'll see that more of that 11 personnel. 
But in the modern NFL, man, like we, like in theory, that makes sense. But there are so many hybrid defenders. And if you look at the Giants' defense, I mean, the Giants have a bunch of them, like Jabril Peppers, Xavier McKinney, where they don't even, if you come out in 11, 12 personnel, they won't even switch their personnel. They'll just switch the alignment a little bit. And that's, that's something that offenses have to deal with because, you know, defenses are getting a little bit smaller and they're not, and uh, to, uh, I guess you could say keep up with the speed of teams like the Chiefs and just the speed of the NFL in general. So in theory, I mean that makes sense, but some some teams don't even switch out the personnel as much as as we would think. But I wanted to ask you: Do do you have like the NFL numbers in front of you of of the uh, personnel? Because I want to say the Giants were one of the least eleven personnel teams, even though it was like fifty five percent. But I, I don't I don't want to uh, quote it. Actually, I ha- I do have them right in front of me. Mommy. Chris always has the numbers. That's it. <laughs> I almost have to, you know, doing this podcast podcast with the Dampzuto for so long. I, I had to have him just to keep track with keep up with him. So eleven personnel. The Giants were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Giants were uh tied with the Green Bay Packers for tenth the tenth least amount of time. Spent in 11 okay. personnel, uh, 55%, 528 offensive snaps. See, that's not as doom and gloom, but now we get to think of it from the sense of 11 personnel last year, like we said earlier in this episode, was Golden Tate. It's not going to be Golden Tate now. So hopefully that upgrade at the receiver position will significantly help those 11 personnel packages in theory. Yeah, I feel like uh, you know just all, all the stuff that we've laid out today, I think is a pretty, not a clear indication, but a promising one that they're not going to be as heavy tight end. I think we're going to see a lot more 11 personnel, which we've spent all this time talking about. That number that you just talked about, Chris, that's going to be way different this year. There, I would be shocked with all of these guys that they have. If your top five goes uh, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Toney, and John Ross, I would be disappointed if they're not trying to get all five of those guys on the field as much as possible especially considering Evan Ingram's not necessarily the receiving threat that we want him to be. Kyle Rudolph is obviously um, going to be a quality veteran tight end. It's not going to hurt to have him and Evan Ingram on the field at the same time, but all these receivers, man, they they need to make an effort this season with all of the money and the, the capital that they spent to bring in these guys. They probably should be going a lot more 11 personnel. That agree completely. And I also do agree with Nick. I think we're going to see a much more vertical offense out of the Giants. Just, you know, we've brought it up a couple times before. I, I really do think their moves taken as a whole suggest that they want to throw the ball downfield. Now, whether or not the offensive line can hold up and give them the give those routes and those uh, concepts and everything time to develop. Yeah, that's another matter. But I think just their personnel moves, especially with you know Mike Glennon with his big arm, and then all of this investment into the wide receivers and you know fast wide receivers and guys like Galladay who can go up and get the ball. I I think that really does signal the that Jason Garrett wants to throw the ball downfield. All right. Well, I think that's a great note to wrap up today's show on, folks. Thank you for tuning into our receiver position preview. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review so you don't miss out on any more of our position previews. Also, head to BigBlueView.com and follow us on social media at BigBlueView. 
on Twitter and Instagram. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week.